This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? Doing all right? I had a delightful experience the other day. I was getting into a uh, a uh, limo or taxi, whatever, uh, at an airport in New York. And uh, Dr. Ben Armstrong and I were talking with each other as we rode along. And suddenly the driver uh, leaned back and said, Would you be Dr. Cook? And I said, Yes, how in the world are you? Well, he pretty near ran off the road. <laughs> and we had a delightful time of fellowship there for some minutes as we went from one point to the other and uh, found out that he, like many of you, uh, carves out some time every day to listen and to fellowship with yours truly around the Word of God. How precious it is to have this fellowship. And of course, I, uh, I'm i no longer surprised that people recognize the what I call the buzzsaw voice. <laughs> the voice, you know, is as distinctive as fingerprint. They're manufacturing now locks and other uh, devices that can be actuated only by the sound of one person's voice. They call it a voice print. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. The voice print of the divine on your life makes a difference. Well, in any case, here we are together, and we're looking at Mark chapter 5. Our Lord Jesus came over into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. It develops as the conversation goes on that it was not one but many uh, demons that uh, inhabited him. Jesus had asked him his name, and he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. So this man looked at him. Now what kind of a person was he? He lived among the tombs. No man could bind him, no, not with chains. The superhuman strength that is given to a, a human body when it is energized by uh, another being. We call them demons. And for a Christian, of course, the, the person who indwells you and me when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior is the Holy Spirit of God. The point being that the human body can do more than it ordinarily would when energized either by satanic or much better, divine strength. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. This is true. A human being can be energized, motivated, and driven by another entity. Thank God we who know the Lord Jesus Christ know that the blessed Spirit of God dwells within us. You need never be afraid of demon possession believer. When you've made the Lord Jesus Christ your Lord, he's greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, the Bible says. Satan can fight you. He may oppress you. You may be distressed because of things that happen in your life as the enemy of your soul tempts you and tests you. This may all be true, but you never need to wonder about being demon-possessed because you won't be if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. Well, this man lived in the tombs. Nobody could bind him. Uh, he'd often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones, and when he saw Jesus, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, torment me not. For Christ had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit." He asked him, What is thy name? And the answer was, My name is Legion, for we are many. Well, the Lord Jesus gave permission, as you recall from reading this passage, gave permission uh, to the demons to enter into the swine that were there feeding. Well, uh, what of all this? First of all, there is no legislation or reforming process that can change the bent and the attitude and the power of a heart that is under the control of sin and Satan. You cannot educate it away. You cannot sublimate it away. You cannot legislate it away. You cannot enforce it with law enforcement and hope that sin will go away. See, the big mistake that society makes is this. If we have big and bigger and better schools and bigger and better jails and uh, bigger and better laws, then everything will be all right. Oh, no, it won't. The only way for a nation to become better is to become better from its heart out. God said, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Oh, the broken places, even in our own blessed United States of America. We think of her as the greatest on earth. And we sing, God bless America, and our eyes fill with tears and our heart with pride and joy as we look at old glory waving there in the breeze. And it's all as it should be. And Lady Liberty still holds her torch aloft in the New York Harbor. All true. But you cannot, beloved, by passing laws or by employing policemen or by teaching in the schoolroom, any one of these things by itself is good, but it's not enough to change a nation toward God. Only a God-sent revival will do that in answer to prayer. And so I call people everywhere to pray for God's touch upon the United States. We're fast becoming a heathen nation. Ninety percent of our people believe in God and in life after death, George Gallup says in his poll. But we're fast becoming, practically speaking, in the way we live, in the, in the standards by which we live, fast becoming a heathen nation. Oh, we need to pray for God's touch upon America, don't we? Join me in that prayer. Well, in this chapter we have, and in the last few verses of chapter 4, we have examples of different kinds of fear. In the last few verses of chapter 4, you have fear of physical danger and damage because you are doing God's will. Christ, our Lord Jesus, God in the flesh, had said to them, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And on the way, they encountered this fierce storm. As you recall, we talked about that. And in that, point, in that relationship, we need to remember that doing God's will does not, mean, does not ensure the fact that you will always have smooth sailing. There'll be storms in life. There'll be problems and troubles and tears and heartaches. 
Yes, there will. And oftentimes you'll be tempted to look up and say, Hey, God, what are you trying to do? Kill me? No, he's teaching you that he's God. And he's bigger than that circumstance. These disciples needed to learn that. And so the storm came. The waves were beating into the ship. It says it was now full. Full of water, that is. If you've ever been in a small boat and the water was coming in faster than you could bail it out, you know that, that that's a panicky situation. And they woke our Savior, who was sleeping there, and they said, Master, don't you even care that we're going to drown? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then he said, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Why did you get scared of physical danger? I'm in the boat. The point being that if the Lord Jesus Christ is with you in the boat, so to speak, if you're doing God's will, if you know that you're in the will of God and Jesus is with you, you, my friend, are unsinkable. That's right. If you're doing God's will and the presence of Christ is with you, just as it was on that occasion, he was in the little ship, and that meant that they could trust God. You don't have to be afraid of physical danger in any situation, whether you're flying or walking or working or whatever it may be. Jesus has sent you to do his will, and he's not going to let you fail. I often say on these broadcasts, it's become a familiar saying to many of you, God has not brought you this far to drop you now. Now we come to this man who is indwelt by many demons. What characterizes him? Well, he was violent, that's for sure. Had this satanic power to even even to break chains and handcuffs. He was unhappy, restless. Day and night, it said, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. Restlessness. And he was nude. He didn't have any clothes on. We get that uh, by inference from a verse later on. When they saw him seated at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. These, my friend, are the marks of a godless life or a godless society. Violence. Have you heard anything about violence recently? Of course you have. Violence is escalating. And while people piously talk about we ought to cut down the level of violence in TV, I notice that all the new television shows that come out have more violence than ever. We are educating our people to become calloused to violence and the taking of human life. This is a mark of a godless society or a godless person, violence, then restlessness, no peace at all, day and night, in the mountains, crying and cutting himself with stones, restlessness, and then nudity. I need not comment, I guess, on that, because everywhere we go, the level of clothing is being deliberately diminished, it would seem. And uh, sin, and lustfulness, nudity, this is all part of it, isn't it? We have what we call pornography. And that simply is the art of uh, unclothing the human body and exploiting it for sinful and sexual purposes. Sad. These are the marks. These are the marks, ladies and gentlemen, of a life that is under the control of sin and Satan, and that was this man's polite. He was afraid, however, of being delivered. Strange. He said, I, I just ask you, don't torment me. Why? What was he afraid of? 
that Christ would deliver him? Many people are. It's a genuine fear of, you know you're unhappy, you know your life is is in pieces, you know your marriage is broken up or breaking up, you know your children are slipping away from you into all kinds of serious misdemeanors and bad habits and bad company, you know that you're desperately unhappy and restless, but you're afraid to let Jesus Christ deliver you. I'm talking to somebody who's exactly like that right now. Oh, my dear friend, let Jesus Christ deliver you. You will never find anyone in this world who has met the Savior who's sorry about it. I have never met anyone who commended their life to Christ who regretted it. Our Lord Jesus Christ always makes things better. Yes, he does. Don't be afraid of yielding yourself, beloved, completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that goes for those of you who are believers as well. Why hang back and say, oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to yield to the will of God. I'm afraid to give myself completely to God's indwelling Holy Spirit for fear what might happen. Listen, you can trust your heavenly Father. It's always good. He says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a desired end. Trust him today. Well, we take this up the next time we get together. Dear Father, today, take away our fear of yielding to thee and help us to say yes to the will of God and the blessed Spirit of God. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.